Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to the Loudmouth Project's... Whoops, hold on. Hello, and welcome to the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. I'm Jason Lee, along with Amy Donaldson. Today, we are joined by Ray Duckworth... Uh, she is the new head of the Utah chapter of Black Lives Matter, and we're going to discuss her new role and what lies ahead for the movement uh, going forward. Because people have this weird notion about uh, BLM. They don't recognize it as a movement more than they, they kind of see it as a group, right? Yeah. And uh, A, we want to start out by telling uh, a little bit about yourself, but also kind of, if you don't mind, explaining the uh, – it's that that it is a movement rather than just an organization per se, if you could. Yeah, it's it's a movement. Um and what that means it's like um it's like a wave of knowledge in, in a sense. Um because just our organization is just like like a thumbnail of of trying to amplify um the issues at hand, you know, just so we it's a it's really it's so it's so simple but it's so broad at the same time because it's like the movement is is all of us. Every time you see us, we are the movement. We are living, breathing of the movement kind yeah, of thing. The movement being, what, what's, I mean, it's, there's not one aim, right? What are, what are kind of the, uh, the principles of the movement, if you could kind of explain that a bit? You know, I always simply say justice, and, and it's on all, all forms. Um, of course, we want, um, we want justice in the courthouse. We want justice on the street. Um, we want prison reform we want police reform um like it's so it's justice every time like that's like the simplest way i can i can describe it yeah it's justice because it just breaks down to like this simple and by justice i think one of the things i've learned in covering the movement for the last year and a half is that um it's also about like justice in living like it's they care yeah. about unsheltered issues uh, they care about education issues. Yeah. Um, anywhere there is inequality and... Um, and it's not just black people, by the way. No, no. No, because yeah. no, there, there's inequality right, everywhere. Right, right. And so um, I think the movement, like, aids all of that. Yeah. Um, it is Black Lives Matter because, you know, black women and black men are, are amplifying and are the big target mm -hmm. from the movement. And But once that, you know, like once that blew up of, hey, there's this issue and it's targeting black and brown bodies and then it's, hey, this is also happening to black and brown bodies in the unsheltered community and look at this whole community and what they're experiencing and then like, oh, look at these people, you know, who are, who are suffering from substance abuse, like, like this, like this is happening. And mm -hmm. so it's just like, 
we're recognizing all of the issues at hand mm-hmm. like that. And I think it's like at the the fall of the, the marginalized voices. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways, I, I feel like it's uh, similar to um, and, you know, kind of in conjunction with the old civil rights movement of the 60s and 50s. Right. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. though it may have initially been born out of issues facing primarily uh, mm-hmm. the black community, when you look at it, it is an overall, especially people who are marginalized. Back then, it was people who were black or poor or Latino or, or uh, minorities. Migrant workers. And, and yeah. Yeah. Fred Hampton. Yeah. I mean, if you watch the movie, right? Uh, black yeah. Messiah, he shows that if you were poor and white if uh, and uh, you were Latino. You are oppressed, you too. You were oppressed. You were, you were us. But yeah. That, I think that's, they just but that's, where, that's like where that whole thing happened of like the 60s. They were like, hey, this is a racial issue. Hey, this is a racial issue. And then it was. Oh wow, they're trying to turn it into a classist issue and they're trying to like tie these two these two um conformed I like these conformities or, or however you want to call it these two ideas together mm-hmm. and so we're going to mush these two ideas together because oh well we want black people to hate poor white people and we want poor white people to hate black people too. Well, and and, and at the heart of that is racism, right? Yeah, always. I grew up not well off and the one thing you have when you're poor is you're still white. And that is automatically a level of privilege yeah. that black people but do not, not have. Always, yeah. if, if you're, but if you're poor and white and oppressed, you don't always but feel that, it. But that's basically I mean, that you heart. have any privilege. You no, know no. I, I would have argued before, the you know, five, six years ago. You know this, Jason, because we were having these conversations mm-hmm. led yeah. to this podcast. Uh, I was thinking I didn't have privilege, you know, and mm-hmm. now I feel very differently about that. I told you it's one of the things that led me to stop saying women and minorities, mm-hmm. right? Because women are... Our issues are different. Now, does addressing one inequality in one thing, I think it's this idea, what I love about Black Lives Matter, what I loved about Martin Luther King and the civil rights issues there was a rising tide lifts all boats. If you care about justice, you care about it in every form and in any situation. You can't Whoever be picky. it impacts. That's and right. if it doesn't impact, so those issues at the border that where people are trying to claim asylum or there are problems there, them, but us addressing that with humanity and compassion and intelligence, that makes life better for everyone. Women can get paid less because there are people in this country who don't have documentation. And so they, I know because I've had, I have a relative who was undocumented and I know what happened to her and it allows everything is worse. So for me, a rising tide lifts all boats. What I love about the movement, and especially I'm so excited that you're going to be leading it now because I've interviewed, I think I actually met you at the very, very first protest that happened post-George Floyd. It was up at the Capitol. Yeah. Remember you were, Jason was down at City Hall and I met, I I was just wandering around and uh, talking to anybody who would talk to me. Some people were Definitely not want to talk to the media. Some people were, give me some media attention. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I bugged you, and you had had an experience. You had personal experience with police violence. And that, like, stuck in my mind. But also what stuck in my mind was your level of compassion and intelligence that you brought to what that night was so emotionally charged. And I thought, I am not letting this woman's message and her voice get lost in this, the chaos of that night. Thank I want, you. Okay, so before, uh, now I wanted to ask you something, but I know it's going to make what you're doing right now worse. <laughs> so I'm going to try cheer. to dial it yeah. back a little yeah. bit. No, you're fine. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Yeah. Uh, believe me, I am because I, I know where I'm going with this. So can you tell me a little bit about yourself, though? You say you grew yeah. up here in Utah. Yeah, uh, I grew up in West in, Valley. In West Valley. Yes. So explain to people what that means because people are listening to this not all just in Utah yeah. but all over. So West Valley is, when you think of Utah, 
well, when I think of Utah, I think of Salt Lake City, St. George, and West Valley, because <laughs> those are the only three places that anybody I've ever talked to outside of the state know of. Um, St. George? People outside of uh, Utah oh, yeah. know St. George? tons of people. Yeah, and yeah. you know, I don't know why, but they do They do know St. George, and um, so those are the, the three areas that like, when I talk to people, they know. West Valley is like one of the biggest cities that we have in here. It um, is. It's the second largest city in this And state? it's minority-packed, so like, I feel comfortable there. Like, I can walk around in West Valley and I don't feel like a sore thumb, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and that's, that's always comforting in, in a lot of sense. Yeah. So how old are you? you I'm 30. Ask? Oh, really? Hey, again, black don't crack. I black don't crack. <laughs> I hear you. I am I, here not cracking I, I, a bit. There's no part of me that would have come up with 30. I know. Yeah. <laughs> we we and, also and have we also have visiting him with us. Uh, a future civil rights Leader, future politician, I say, Jane right? Is, future she's senator. She's fine. That's right. <laughs> so, um, how did? What was your life like growing up? Can you talk a little bit about that? And I mean, where, where's you? Um, both your parents black? No, my mom is white. So okay. I was confused half my life. <laughs> I was. <laughs> I was like, oh. yeah, because um, like, but the thing is, growing up, my mom. Um, my mom knew racism was happening, you know, so yeah. when stuff would happen and like um, like in middle school, I had a situation where I was in the officer's room and um, a girl tried to beat me up and I beat her up. Don't mess with me. So that's what happened, you know, and so I got into this fight and I felt bad because I, I don't like to fight. I understand I'm freakishly strong. I was bigger than this girl. I didn't want to fight her, um, but she like was really trying to get me. I got into the officer's room. And, you know, sitting there, I'm like intimidated anyways, because I know from like growing up, my older brother was 13 years old and got handcuffed and smacked it. And the cop smacked his head against the the cop car. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh, like this could happen to me now. You know, and my mom's going to wait till you meet my mom. Like my mom's this tiny white lady, but she's going to rip you one because you have me in here, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, So like that was like my first experience of like having that anxiety of, oh, man, like this, this. I'm in a room with a cop right now. And like. Yeah. And um, I remember when my mom came and got me, I was like, mom, I like I told my mom the truth. I always told her because I knew she'd have my back, you know. And if I told her that I felt something was racist, she'd totally have my back. She'd totally have my back because she can't argue with me about it because I would know. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know. So um, but then you'd go into these other conversations where I can remember um, like my grandparents telling me not to wear a bandana in my hair because I didn't want to look like a thug. Mm-hmm. You know, I so could, these are your mom's parents. Yes, and I could be ten years old and trying not to look like a thug. So I always had that self conscious of, oh, I can't look like a thug. Mm-hmm. And then, like when I got old enough to, like, you know, I just roll out of bed and I put on whatever That's I feel right. like wearing because, yeah. like, you know, you're because I can't look like a thug. Um, I can't dress too promiscuous because you know that might tempt somebody. You know, so I have like all these rules I was trying to follow forever, and then um, I finally got to the point where I'm like, eh, no rules for me. Boom, no rules. So I I don't have rules for myself. When we come back, I want to continue uh, kind of in your evolution. And again, uh, we there's, yeah. there's going to be some difficulty in talking about some of this stuff. However, yes. I know she's prepared to do this. Uh, we're talking today with Ray Duckworth. She is kind of now the the person that's going to be at least in Utah leading. Uh, the efforts of the local chapter of Black Lives Matter. You can uh, call me the operating chairperson. The operating chairperson of the Utah chapter of, <laughs> of BLM. Uh, you're listening to Voices of Reason. <laughs> Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. 
Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Jason Lee, Amy Donaldson, back with Voices of Reason. Today speaking with uh, Ray Duckworth. She is the, uh, what do, explain that again. It's the <laughs> operating chairperson. Operating chairperson for the Utah chapter of the Black Lives Matter movement. And we're discussing kind of her role and, and just kind of her life and, and what she hopes to uh, help uh, in the coming days and in the coming months and years with this movement and, and what they hope to achieve. I know you mentioned that you locally, you grew up uh, in a kind of a diverse area. Mm-hmm. How did you? Okay, I want to know how you got involved. I moved in. around a lot. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. how did you get involved in the movement? Like, and did it come from your own personal experiences? I know one of the Ooh. that happened as an adult, but but was that? That's not why, right? So I didn't know that Lex had been here and doing what she had been doing. Lex for, Scott was the longtime previous. She's the founder. Uh, yeah, she started right. it. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't know that she had been doing that for. I think I met her, and it had been like six or almost seven years or something like that. Um, and then in 2019, February, um, we, I went out and watched her do her presentation. Um, a woman named Jasmine hosted her, um, her and they were doing this presentation and I was like, oh wow, there's a whole chapter here. That's awesome. I, I always wanted like, you know, do like pro black things like pro black is not anti-white and so like I was always like thinking which is a hard thing to get people to understand yeah and it's yeah. super hard so I'm like you know I don't even want to try to explain it anymore just let me go hang out with black people like you know like just I'm not gonna explain it anymore and then um I remember I signed up for the newsletter in February and then we called her in September because uh my cousin got shot um by Wellington police in uh September on the where 10th. is Wellington Southern Utah, in the middle no, of yeah, nowhere. It's, it's uh, right outside. It's in Carbon County. So yes, it's uh, in Carbon. It's right County. It's outside. It's a pretty rural it's between, area. Yeah, you drive oh, through it yeah. between Price and Green River. Right. Yeah, uh, it's right far. Here. I know that. I know. What was a, he doing, down there? B- Bobby Ray Duckworth. Yeah, Bobby Ray, and um, so he, um, his mom lives down there. Um, he, I know he had a brother down there. I think he had a couple of brothers actually. He had two brothers down there who were his, um, his mother's children, and then um. He he was dating someone who lived down there. Um, I know when. So uh, he was mixed race too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But it's actually a really beautiful place to live. Can I just say? Like <laughs> no, I know you're like, here. what is he doing down there? Right. It might it's, be because like yeah. he loved to go. There was a fishing pond that was literally right by his house, and he could go there and just go fishing. Yeah, like yeah. he yeah. could not be bothered, kind of thing. And yeah. so that's always you know nice when you could. Uh, go in a place outdoors because black people don't really like to go out. You see us getting called the cops on for, you know, <laughs> for, bird for watching. Outdoors, yeah, you right, know, yes. so like for him to have like that type of sanctuary is like, it's very cool to like think about. I wouldn't go there though because of that whole yeah. mood there is very different and uh, it's not very welcoming for anybody who is and So he my had skin. a, um, well, he had an interaction with uh, police? 
Uh, yes, he did. So he was experiencing a mental health crisis. Um, he, we have depression and anxiety like anybody else in our family, and we don't talk about it like most people don't. And um, he was going through a lot. Um, he, he, I know he had gotten in a fight with his girlfriend, possibly, and like he just he had lots of emotions going on. And in the body cam video, you um, you see him crying. You see a, a grown man crying. How old was he? I think 25 Okay, young and uh, you see a grown man crying and he gets shot he gets shot six or seven times for having that circumstance okay so obviously that hits close literally hits close to home with you yes and does that impact your desire to want to be involved in seeing the uh, change actually happen or be an impetus for making that happen um yeah because um my family deserves justice Mm -hmm. um Bobby is named after, um, so Bobby's my second cousin. Bobby's named after my first cousin, Big Bobby. And Mm -hmm. uh, we grew up with him. We used to go boating with him and and things like that. And And so, um, uh, sorry. Yeah, it was was very close to home. And so after that happened, you know, I I called Lex and I'm like, we need your help. Like, I don't even know what to do. So we asked for the body cam. Um, we didn't get it when we wanted it, so we protested. Um, then they did some shady stuff where I think they like emailed it or something to his parents, and then they posted it on oh YouTube. Gosh. Yeah. So like, I got phone calls of, "Hey, we saw your cousin." They posted it on YouTube. Yeah. That is despicable. Yeah. So They're I don't not the think only ones. it was That's actually like, a common practice. Yeah, I don't yeah. think it was. Dis- I I would um, think something like that would be, you know discretion like well right to i the mean family. A, you wouldn't necessarily do it but i certainly wouldn't do it before i gave the uh the, to the and family at least let the family know that's hey, right. like and that's make right. like hear from the family that they all watched it you know like even i'm not saying oh let me watch it you know let mom and dad who yes. you know birthed this child watch this video um yeah that's and, an interesting thing to think about like would you want video of your kid being killed and the, the world, video right? was it was um it was terrible. It, it's a, a white man walking through and, and explaining all of the actions and, and, you know, justifying it. And after I met you, I went and watched it. It's and it's terrible. Yeah, it, it's it's terrible. And then after that, like we went to the place and, and we looked at everything and it's um, and like as you know, as years go by, um, I learned that Bobby may have bared his testimony in front of this officer because this area is so small. So there may have been a chance where this officer um, was in a religious house of God <laughs> with someone who he killed. So uh, that mean was he LDS? Yes. Okay, yeah. so I, I just wanted... Yeah. That, those For are those kind of words. Yeah. It's important to pe- that people understand bearing testimony is something very prevalent uh, in, in very, the Church of Jesus Christ of here, Latter-day yeah. Saints. Yeah. Yeah. And so in that way... It, was, it should have been a message to yeah. the person who he was interacting with. If you're in Utah, you know what those words mean. And and it's so let me, it makes it even more yeah. – uh, it's it's sadder for that reason, yeah. knowing that this young man they was having each other. these kinds of issues in front of you. And you'd have to be uh, pretty uh, dense not to understand what was happening with him. And then for him to then ask God for help, essentially, uh, that was – yeah. My, so I, my question, um, it, as you're – Asking for help, did you? What did you feel as a family seeking help and kind of dealing with this uh, trauma? 
what did it help to have Black Lives Matter? Did oh yeah. It, and, okay. And so and and how? Like what? How? What did that help look like? Oh man. Um. So um, when that happens to you and you lose a family member um to the state, um, you feel alone or you feel um like isolated but viewed like you're you know if that makes sense like where yeah. you're by yourself but everybody's watching you because they know what happened to your cousin you know you're isolated and in a spotlight yeah, yeah and, it, and it's worst. really it's awkward sometimes and um and it, it can be scary it can be lonely and like i said like my family has mental health issues like we talk like we don't talk we talk about it a little bit better now but we have depression and anxiety and things like that in our family Mm -hmm. um and so when you start that isolation and then you know you feel really alone I knew that I could be like hey Lex like I feel like crap today and she'd be like all right well we're gonna go cop watching you know and like boom I'm out of the house um I'm doing something um, even if we weren't doing anything you know civil rights related like we would go and hang out at a pool or, or just something and like talk about like stuff because that's one thing that we don't do is, is talk enough about like what's happening and that's why we are where we are because mm-hmm. we're not talking about the truths about what's happening. And then what's it like to see other families have the same experience that you're having? Kind of one minute there. It sucks. It's like, it's so sucky because it's, um, you, like I lost my cousin. I would never understand to lose a child that way or a sibling that way or just anything like that. And a so, parent. yeah. And it's so, and so when I think about that, I'm like, wow, like one day, like someone's going to have to tell like Brian Valencia's children, Hey, like your dad got shot by police. Like, and, but then you expect the child to grow up and trust this entity. You know what I mean? Um, and so it's just, it's so, I feel like, it's so complex. It's it's heavy, and it's like I can just throw out like colorful terms all day because it like it's just it it makes me sick to, to honestly think about like like um, Bernardo Palacios and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like that's terrible. Like we have got to do better, and we're late on doing better. And uh, these are all people whom in uh, in Utah and Salt Lake City have lost their lives uh, during police interactions. Uh, it's 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 a very sobering circumstance. When we come back, I want to talk about where the movement, where where, uh, Ray hopes to take the movement uh, in the years coming forward, because we know these incidents happen. We know injustice continues to happen. What can we do about it to help maybe resolve some of these issues? You're listening to Voices of Reason. Back with Voices of Reason, Jason Lee, Amy Donaldson speaking today with the new operating chairperson for the Utah chapter of Black Lives Matter, uh, Ray Duckworth. And Ray, you know, look, as as a fellow African-American person, I always say these suits of blackness we wear, they could be heavy. And I, I've been asked, you know, what's it like to be, um, you know, a black man, particularly uh, in our society and uh, typically by, you know, a white person. And in this case, I, I did an interview on radio. Uh, not long ago, and I don't want people to feel sorry for me mm-hmm. because this is my life. I I don't wake up thinking, God, I hate this. You know, what I do is I know that I have to be strong for not just for myself, but for all the other people like me uh, and who who are, are marginalized. You know, because they got to know that there is something better as long as they keep forging ahead, forging ahead, forging ahead. And so I, I know for you as a th- 30-year-old person, you may think that's old, but for for those of us, I am glad for people like you because 
you you give me hope because I, I can't keep doing this, right? You know, one day I'm going to be too old. Nobody's going to listen to me. So, um, what, But you say even for you it's heavy. Oh, yeah. It's it's so heavy. Like how you say it, we wear like black suits. Um, yeah, and, you know, I did the extra thing where I let my hair go natural too, so that's like an extra chip on my shoulder. Um, and I, And it's not... Like when I get in a conversation about people and they always want to be like, oh, get over slavery and then like you're feeling sorry for yourself. Like that's Get over n- history. I don't want to hear about uh, uh, George Washington or James Madison or Thomas Yeah, Jefferson then don't either. be mad about the reconstruction of the terrible Confederate buildings right. and, and statues let me, let me and things like that. Let me tear those down. Don't yeah. worry about it. Dude. Yeah, don't just worry about it if you want that's us right. to just forget about that's it. Right. You know. But when they talk about that, like I don't ever want anybody to feel sorry for me. I want people to understand um, that I face obstacles and barriers like um I, I just had a really good conversation with mcot and um and like a, a group of them there was um what is representation MCOT? matters utah was on that call too um so mcot is oh i can't remember what it stands for but it's basically the the team that's going to be responding to mental health crises okay. now so um um, eventually we'll get to the point where you're not calling 911 for mental health. You're calling a different, you're calling a different three digit or, you know, a different yeah. short code or whatever. And so that's what we need. And so what got me into those conversations was of course, like Bobby's story, because like they did all the right routes and that got him killed and, yeah. um, they weren't trained. We need trained people doing that job. Mm-hmm. It's so, the uni mobile crisis outreach team. And uni is the state's um, contractor, mid, a yeah. contractor for mental health uh, mm-hmm. services. Yeah, and there's you know pros and cons with uni as like when I have my increased conversations about uni, they're like, oh, there's pros, there's cons. I get it, but like get in there and let's evolve yeah. it because Since we know what the problems are. Let's yeah, address it. you know the cons. Okay, get in there and let's yeah. get the cons out. You know, like that's like that's just my mo, and so like that's how it worked for me with um um with talking to MCOT is like I'm letting them know, hey, like. This is this situation. What like what could have happened here? What mm-hmm. what would have been better here? And so like when we talk about, I don't ever want anybody to feel sorry. I just want them to understand that there are these obstacles. There's barriers, um, and and they come in different in different things. Like um, an obstacle or a barrier could be how I present myself to somebody, um, mm-hmm. because they could be intimidated by me or my hair or like. Yeah, I think it's important though. I think the the thing to remember if you're not wearing the black suit of armor is that you can do everything they tell you to do. Don't wear a hoodie, you know, have your hair be respectable or in some style that is approved by white people. My language be respectable. Yeah, your language. Oh, you talk so well, you know, all these things. We we can't be too intimidating with the words we use. You know, we have to say, soften it for people. You can do all of those things and you can't be not black. And so the barrier remains. And and that's the problem. And that's why I love people just be who they are and be, because I want to be who I am. And I think everyone wants that freedom. And um, I think there's we, – we've done shows on this. There's plenty of evidence out there that uh, if you do everything they tell you to do um, – I'm nothing. I, that, that there's, but there's still – you still face the barriers. They, yeah. The barriers are not gone. That's why I got to the point in my life where I'm like, eh. Yeah. What are you going to do? <laughs> you know, so like the, I, guess, I, already, I already know that like I'm walking into a situation. Yeah. I'm, I'm walking into a situation black. I'm walking into a situation a black woman. Yeah. I'm walking into a situation with my hair – probably this big yeah and so that's just that's just i already know i'm walking into that situation so yeah um what beside in addition to like racial justice issues um i know there was like an a, 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 a you guys do like a summer camp with kids mm. um they take black kids and um 
I don't know, just basically love them up and build their confidence and oh, give them experiences. So yeah. And I, I, that was, was my first year. Yeah. I mean, explain why that <clears throat> matters so much. Like, what is it like being the only black kid in a room or at a camp or no a, let's yeah. not even talk about that let's yeah. talk about being a black kid in utah and when you come home like when you come to school after everyone went on their cool summer vacations and where did i go my backyard <laughs> like you know like you know well, that was but like too. i did cool stuff like we built a tree house one year so that was like really cool yeah. but like like when i think that's what i think about when i think about kids camp is yeah. is like um that opportunity to be a black kid with black kids. I never, mm-hmm. ever got that. I, I was always the one black kid in class mm-hmm. or the one black kid in the neighborhood or like, cause like even we, there was a point where my family moved to like South Jordan area and South Jordan oh, man. is back then, especially there was no black kids. Oh yeah. That was the first time. Like we yeah. ran into like some people who had swastika tattoos on their face and they asked my mom if we were bugging her. And that happened in South Jordan, and I think I was like 14 and for years old. For those who don't know, South Jordan's a pretty uh, well-to-do That's area, actually. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm a little surprised by that on the face thing. Though yes, I, I recognize that in any of these places, they would have it in their hearts, and they might be wearing it someplace yes. else yeah. in their bravery. Bodies. It's yeah. just yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like that allowed bravery. So because like bravery. I would, I, if I had Black Lives Matter tattooed on my face, like I don't think people would really talk. To me. What's crazy to me is like I've I've gone by places. I live in Sandy, which is just east of South Jordan. And in many ways, it's a little parts of it are just as well to do as South Jordan. Let's, let's be yes. honest with that. However, there, there are some you know places closer to where the train is where it's pretty modest. Right. Mm-hmm. However, I have seen outside of uh, uh, LDS church steakhouses, uh, uh, steak centers. I'm sorry. That is where these larger uh, churches are. Uh, conf- those battle flags. A guy pulled up to church on Sunday. With the battle flag hanging off his Jeep. When you say battle flag, it's the Confederate flag. It's the Confederate flag. flag. Yeah. I I don't even know what to do with that. Yeah. Because if I'm the person, and he came late, so the people who were at the church (laughs) wouldn't see it until they came back outside. Yeah. But the people driving by. But he didn't care because he drove up there just to be there. Yeah. And and. And I've also seen it in people's yards. I've taken pic- I got a picture on my phone. I am yeah, still- he usually sends them to us. There's like a group. It's just it's crazy <laughs> that this kind of stuff happens. But I so when but you I have think that experience, that's even more it doesn't surprise important. me, right? Yeah, that that what you guys did for kids because um, yeah. it's not just about opportunity. Because there's lots of white kids that don't have opportunity to go on vacation. I went didn't go on vacations either. But but I didn't experience this isolation. Yeah, like you say if you didn't, I didn't go ever think on about vacation, it. Yeah. you were able to go into your neighborhood and play with kids who looked like you though. Yeah. 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 And I I never thought about it. Yeah. That's the thing that I think people don't understand about kids of color, especially in Utah, is you're always aware you're not white. Yes. You know? And we're reminded. Yeah. And and if you forget for a minute, somebody will put you in your place. Somebody will remind you by saying something dumb like, can I touch your hair? Which uh, that actually happened to an ESPN reporter named Sage Steele. And I don't know how much time we have in this segment, but I do want to get into some current (laughs) events with you. Okay. Um, We're... Well, we're that one minute part. We're at the one minute part, so we're not going to do that yet. We'll save that for the last okay. bit. A um, couple more things on the to do list for Black Lives Matter that you think people might be interested in helping with. Um, so you know, the big issues like police reform and and like justice reform, those are always on the plate. We need to apply pressure always. We need to apply pressure to ensure Breonna Taylor gets justice. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now, um, Salt Lake City has a civilian police review board. Mm-hmm. It's vacant. 
So I need people who are vacant. I mean, there's like nobody sitting on the the board. Oh, wow. So I need people to get into the board who live in the districts so they can help review these cases and and let's get justice or at least point out the flaws in these systems so Mm -hmm. we can correct them and get them evolved where they need to be. Excellent. Uh, When we come back, I want to get into some other things as well. But uh, Amy, we, we had this discussion offline. There are still people who don't understand uh, their obtuseness uh, and insensitivity. And, and again, this, this is a movement, right, uh, BLM? And this is hopefully it's part of it is to buy, provide education so that yeah, everybody. people do find justice from the folks who inadvertently may be creating a hostile environment for them. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back with Ray Duckworth. Uh, I'm Jason Lee. She's Amy Donaldson. This is Voices of Reason. Jason Lee, Amy Donaldson, Voices of Reason. We are back with Ray Duckworth. She is the new operating chairperson for the Utah chapter of the Black Lives Black Lives Matter movement. That's a long title, sister. It is. Uh, so okay, we, got, we only got a, a few more minutes charge. left. This is the last segment. Uh, there's just so much and in the I news, am dying and we want to talk about. So Amy is dying to discuss. <laughs> Don't touch my hair. I know. Yeah, that, which is a great book, by the way, by yes. Phoebe. Uh, so I um, have been sort of paying attention to this stuff with Sage Steele. Uh, I obviously was a huge fan of Jamel Hill. Uh, she said some, she's a black woman who said some. Who are these people? Uh, uh, Jamel Hill is a, uh, she was a sports supporter for a really long time. Anyway, she said some things. She the worked Detroit for ESPN. Press. Yeah. And she worked on ESPN and she said some things about Colin Kaepernick that they said were politically charged and she got suspended. Then she got told, she made, was made to do a public apology and then she eventually got fired. Or, I mean, she, they, they parted ways. But basically, you know, it wasn't working. So, um, but meanwhile, her white male counterparts were doing very similar things, but obviously not supportive of Colin Kaepernick. And so, and this, and similar action was not taken. So, anyway, super. But now we have a black woman named Sage Steele, and we have a, n- a number of issues with ESPN. Just Google it if you want to know the 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 many issues they've had with black women um, and women in general. Um, but. Sage Steele is doing an interview with former uh, quarterback NFL quarterback Jay Cutler, and she says, among other things, that women who dress inappropriately need to expect it if they get harassment or assault, and that um, Obama shouldn't uh, identify as black because he never knew his black father and he was raised by a white mother and grandmother. Um, and so what up? That's for you. <laughs> That's so ignorant to me because it's so. Yeah, it's you. It's, right. But I had a conversation like that with two. Um, what is that quarterback who got the um, the MVP a couple years ago? Um, Lamar Jackson. No. Patrick he, Mahomes. Mahomes. Yeah. So Mahomes got that. Oh, he's mixed race, too. Yeah. yeah. And he's very fair skinned. He's lighter than I am. He's yeah. lighter complex than I am. And he's he like has, I think he has like bluish green even eyes or oh, something like hazel or something. He, yeah. His hair is almost blondish. Yeah. 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 So I share that thinking, oh, that's so cool because he's the first black athlete to do that. That's so cool. I want yeah. my family to see that. I am going to share that. Um, a white woman was not happy that I had shared that and said, you know, his mom is white. And I said, do you know that when cops pull us over, they don't ask us if our parents are white. They don't. They shoot us usually. Yeah. And then they ask later and then they don't care. Right. So like you're it's 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 so one ignorant drop, baby, one drop and irrelevant to just 
think that. Like, she's so silly. She can yeah, call me so if she, she needs something. Nothing. There, there were, and she also said some bad stuff about the vaccine. So she basically hit all the high points, all the stuff. And then <laughs> she... her life away. Yeah, nobody, nobody said too much about it. And then... Um, she got suspended yesterday and she issued or they issued a, a thing saying we're having direct conversations with her. We love our employees to sh- share their opinions, which is BS. But yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, she's going to we're, we're going to talk to her about it. So she's probably going to come back on the air. She probably pulled the race card. Well, I think here's, <laughs> she probably said things. you can't do that well, to me because I'm black. I always think. Is an organization evolving, right? That's my first question, because mostly run by white dudes. Or secondly, and this is the struggle I have with these things that keep coming up. Uh, and the second one is, um, like, I don't want people not to say what they think, even if it's dumb. I want to know that Kanye thinks slavery was a choice so people can know, like, what the situation is. Like, I, I want to know why he learned that or where, who taught who him taught that. Him that or like, where yeah, that comes yeah, from, whatever. Of course. I want to know. I want people. Mike Conley thought it was a choice. Not Mike Conley. Uh, Kanye, Kanye West. West. Oh, oh, well, don't yeah. listen to him. I know. Con- in, in all fairness, yeah. I, when I talk about Kanye West, I I adored his his old music. Yes, everybody but does. But right now, he yeah. has a lot of mental health going on that exactly. he's not addressing or taking exactly. care of. He, he's a so like, I can't trash him. Yeah. I don't feel comfortable trashing him because right. I'm like, yeah. bro, I want to hug you more than right. anything. And I'll, honestly, if you want to have the best piece written on Kanye, in my opinion, is ta Coates' piece about... Yeah. About why one, one black person doesn't represent, represent everybody. We are right? not a monolith any yeah. more than one white person represents anyway, all the white people. Yeah. But so back, back to the story. I, to back to this. So I, I guess my question to you in all of this is we see these kind of public debates and you're now in this position of, you know, you can have some influence over what media, how they, you can be a voice, okay. right? Like, do you feel some responsibility to those, in those situations or do you feel like these are just the same things that have been, people have been hashing out and we're going to keep hashing them out on Twitter and Facebook and wherever um, and in the media because the media is very white yeah and you know I have a hard time with the media like if they hit me up and they're like hey I want to interview you about this topic and I'm like yeah I don't like what you said about Bobby two years ago so no I'm not going to interview with you and then mm-hmm. they're like what What do you mean like like I hurt your feelings like you're talking bad about my dead cousin on TV like yeah. nah yeah. So like I've had like those type of run-ins and like those those type of conversations where I've de- declined talking. Yeah. Um, I do sometimes I feel responsible like I need like oh I can't believe this person would say this I ne- I need to respond but then sometimes um, that can be so draining on my mm-hmm. own mental health to where I have to literally think okay this is the um, the tiny circle of things I need to really get done because this is where like pr- promoting change and evolution is going to happen mm-hmm. um, versus like. Ooh, this big giant spectrum of stuff is like going to be really, really hard to like nail. And a lot of times they don't even care about what I even have to say about like those big conversations. You know, um, a lot of times the big conversations I'll send them to Lex because people still listen to her. Her TikTok is still on fire, mm-hmm. and so like she addresses she those things. Off on no, those and things, people yeah. listen to her all the time. And I'm like, yeah, I'll just share your video because like I agree with you on, on a lot of things. You know, yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> See, these are the, uh, the these working are the, the mom realities. Right. Yes, yes. yes. I told Ray, it. bring your daughter. Yeah, right? she like, goes everywhere I go most of the time. Yeah. Okay. And actually, I love that about the movement. I've seen a lot of kids at the movement. I see parents. and, and it's I, for them. The youth yeah. is, we are leaving the world for the youth. Um, if they don't know why we're out here doing this, mm-hmm. they, they're going to know what the media told them. And that's not usually true um, yeah. because the media was telling everybody that we were out in the street rioting. Yeah. And um, I used to get that all the time. I, I don't I wouldn't mind it as long as they're not violent, as if 
the people in the movement were the ones perpetrating the violence. Yeah, and and that was so wild because like even like when I met you up at the Capitol, um, I remember there being a white man like they were being provo- they were provoking provocative, yeah, you know. Yeah. So a white man is standing literally right here, his face, and he's calling the officer an effing b word, and I'm like, I will take all of that if you are doing it this way right, right. you get your ass in front of right, me hey, right 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 you want to talk to him like so, that that's, exactly. that's how you. courageous is that have a have a woman in yeah, front of you a and, black you know, woman let right, alone right. you know like well, i'm like literally names. if you look at the stats of a black woman like <laughs> brianna taylor guys like she's yeah. not receiving a lick of justice and that's just <laughs> terrible and woman so sleeping in her own crib yeah and her and you know what i hear about that is that um the bullets that hit the neighbor's house received more justice than no, they she did actually and that's just they got uh restitution they got a whole bunch of stuff going for themselves but not the woman who actually got got killed yeah yeah and that's like not that's why i get frustrated what advice do you have for white people who want to be involved in the movement because i I have seen some good advice delivered from you from lex and from other people in the movement it's not bleeding (laughs) sorry (laughs) by the Um, way her daughter is adorable (laughs) she is yeah um like advice yeah okay so this is where like People think I'm controversial is when I say, you know, like if if white people are going to come to this movement, um, you need to think beyond an ally. And that's why we call an accomplice. Um, An ally will stand there and record George Floyd. Um, An accomplice will go and get the officer off. Like there was the um, I think it was a paramedic who walked over and said, no, I need to render aid and, and, and told them repeatedly. That's more of an accomplice to me than the person recording. But the person who was recording, in all fairness, was a child. Yeah. yeah. So but that's how I, I like to put a young put black it, woman. I yes, might add so, always. Yeah. Queens yeah. are always here. <laughs> that's right. And so that's where I put it out is um, the difference between like an ally and an accomplice is an ally is going to record and let people know, hey, this bad thing happened. But an accomplice is, is going to, you know, get in there. I saw another video of a man calling the police on um, a black man who was riding a, 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 is it called a unicycle? Just a one wheel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. An accomplice, or an ally was recording it, but an accomplice got in between the man calling the police and let the guy on the one wheel bicycle get away. Yeah. That's an accomplice. Mind your own business. Keep going. Yeah. And so like in these situations, like that's, that's where um, I think, I I think I tell them, hey, we need an upgrade with ally. We need an upgrade with that. If people want to find out more about you and 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 the movements you're leading, where would they uh, where would they go? Um, the same website, BlackLivesMatterUtah.com. Um, I still do the the newsletters and things like that. You mm. might hear from Lex here and there because um, okay. we're still friends. <laughs> we still <laughs> like I still need her. She still needs me. Um, so, or you can do social media. There's Instagram. There's a Facebook. Um, I'm not very good with Twitter, so don't go there. But yeah, you, there's um, and on the Instagram page and I think the Facebook right now, there's a link tree and that's where you can go if you um, are interested in, in filling out those uh, civilian review board vacant spots mm-hmm. because there's mm-hmm. so many vacancies and we really need to fill them. And there are things you guys do throughout the community that they can oh, use yeah. volunteers and Yeah, we help can always with. use volunteers yeah. for and I, unsheltered work or event hosting yeah. and things like yeah. that. Yeah, and I would also say... Um, they're not a monolith. What I love is that there are a lot of different perspectives. And once you get into the movement, you see that. And it's really, it's very, it's fun. 
But really. it's also like even if everyone has their own different perspective, we understand that we have to work together to get the end goal. Like Absolutely. no matter what, we understand like um, I've met so many, you know, different types of people out there and I'm like, wow, you're like out here like you're a dentist. Like, what are you doing? You know, like <laughs> yeah. and like just like real, it's like really cool because you, you meet people who are like, no, I'm sorry. Like this is happening. And like I'm realizing now. So now I'm just like, OK, now you're being an ally. Let's upgrade it to an accomplice now. So thank you for being here and thank you for your leadership and your strength. Uh, you're not alone. Thank you. Yeah. All right. And we'd love to work with you in the future, too. Absolutely. Yeah, let's do it. Hey, join us again for the next episode of the uh, Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. If you have any comments about the show, please contact us via email at voramed at gmail.com or at vorjasonl at v- gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at Sports and at Jason Lee one Our show's Twitter handle is at VORpodcast. Check out our Facebook page, and you can also find and subscribe to free episodes of our podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or any of the places where you might find interesting content. Be sure to review our show as well. We love to get your feedback, and it helps us grow our audience. Until next time, along with Amy Donaldson, I'm Jason Lee. When you engage in passionate debate, do your best to keep your dialogue civil. Try to be the voice of reason and become an accomplice. Voices of Reason is a production of the Loudmouth Project. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.